All right, welcome in everyone. I have myself and Jacob here to talk about breaking news, sort of. It's It's been 24 hours since uh, recording this, but Cincinnati has hired new head coach Scott Satterfield, a move that sent shockwaves to the college football world. And me and Jake are jumping on here for the first time in I don't even know when's the last time we recorded an episode, Jake. Uh, I don't know. Are you aware of how long it's I mean, been? I can – let me go and do the math real quick. I think it's been almost a calendar year. Uh, May 5th. Oh, so, okay. So we've gone quite some time before our second episode of season two. <laughs> Just a little bit. Can we still blame COVID for these that, that space or – yeah, I feel it's like COVID dead. I feel like with anything, like you can, there's always an excuse, or you can yeah. cast blame. You know what? For, we'll blame COVID. We're not going to blame Tito. That'd be easy, but we no, won't. no. I'll never blame Tito. He's he's innocent in all all things. Exactly. Um, but no, I'm I'm pumped to jump on here uh, with you, man, and kind of kind of catch up on a crazy world um, for UC athletics the uh, the past really week and a half, I'd say. Um, so I'll start with you. I, I know I texted you earlier this week, kind of, th- uh, you know, wondering where your thoughts were. Um, so first impressions, Jake, how do you feel about UC hiring Scott Satterfield? So first off, the role reversal right now, like I'm I'm, I'm the passenger and dying the driver, so this is fantastic. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean – I think the cliche thing would be, you know, it was completely out of left field. You know, uh, if you're a UC fan, more likely than not, you probably follow some insider. You subscribe to some insider page, whatever whatever it is. And there was not a single mention of Scott Satterfield, like, at all throughout the process. And, you know, you wake up Monday morning and – it's like the first thing you wake up to. Apparently, the deal was completed, you know, late that Sunday night. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's just – it just caught me by surprise because I didn't expect him to be the guy. Um, I know just from, you know, reading, you know, or li- watching the press conference, reading up on articles or whatever, he was apparently the second guy to Luke Fickle back in 2016. So he clearly had interest in said job. Um, I think the the initial reaction, I think the, the tricky part is it's all the Louisville stuff. You know, he either expressed interest in South Carolina job before Beamer got, got it, whatever it might be. And there's all sorts of, like, issues with that and how the players felt and some of that kind of came out yesterday. But, I mean, I think – if you look at anything associated with Louisville right now, it's kind of a dumpster fire. I mean, the athletic department, the basketball team, all that. And he inherited a mess when he got there. Um, I think the one criticism that I think a lot of UC fans have is it's not – he's not like a hot name right now. I, I don't know what their record is, but if you – everybody kind of feel the, – the sense is he kind of underperformed while he was there. Um but, you know, it's a breath of fresh air either way. I mean, if you told me two weeks ago that Luke was going to leave, I'd have been like, okay, 
wouldn't have known where just with how the coaching cycle had kind of, you know, shaped up. But then he takes Wisconsin job, which kind of takes everybody by surprise. And then you had this whole week where there's nothing coming out. And, you're, you know, you start to panic, whatever. Um, I mean, I, I don't really have a ton of thoughts on it. Like, he's an offensive-minded guy. He's a offense-first coach. Um, he's a, a, a good, a solid recruiter. Um, he got better and better at Louisville. I think the biggest thing that when you look at the cider field hire that you have to focus on is the importance that NIL played while he was at Louisville and how much it was referenced by Cunningham in the press conference, by Satterfield in the press conference, or at least how quickly he brought it up. And you know, obviously there's rumors about how Luke felt about it, how Luke felt they might not have had. And it's probably true. They probably don't have the resources that you would want to start. Um, but, you know, there's give and take on, you know, if Luke was all in on it, wasn't Satterfield seems to be all in on it and you know if you you see Twitter threads of him taking recruits to an airfield and having lunch on a private jet like you know I think that's kind of how college football is right now so if you have a guy that is invested in that and really you know he's had success with it um I think it's huge, especially in the landscape of college football and the way it is now. And, you know, the one thing that was really interesting to me, and I know not a lot of this is about my personal opinion on the matter, like as him as a coach, I don't know. I didn't really pay too much attention to Louisville um, while he was there. Um, but he had mentioned, and it, it was Cunningham, I think, who mentioned his him when he was at App State taking App State from the FCS to the FBS, so Division One AA to Division One football, and how seamless that transition was for him while I was at App State. It, the parallels, you know, you're kind of going from the Group of Five, which some people would say is basically a branch of Division One AA, whatever it is, to the Big Twelve. So this is a guy that's handled that transition well and before, and I think that's what they're kind of banking on um, with Satterfield. But, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm ecstatic over the hire, partially because I didn't think that was the route they were going to go. So, and it's just one of those things where it's going to, you know, people are obviously going to be pissed, you know, next year if they are average or below 500 or whatever. But the reality is, is there's a very good chance that that is the case. You know, like you're going to the Big 12, you're not playing – East Carolina on a Friday night. You're not playing SMU, Tulane. Well, Tulane beat the shit out of us, but you get the point. Yeah. It's one of those things where there's going to be an adjustment period, and I, Cincinnati fans are some of the most passionate fans in the world, but they're also incredibly irrational. That's a lot of sports fans, but I think the success that we had or that the program had under Luke going to the playoff, it reset – fan expectations, whether or not it was fair or not. And I just yeah. hope that, you know, there's some level of patience with it. I mean, he's going to have a talented team next year. I don't think that's going to be the issue, but the level of talent might, it, it it's not going to be the same when you go to the Big 12. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I so. think when you look at, when bouncing off that point, you said where 
we're going to take a hit just moving to the Big 12. The two other finalists that were kind of actually on the, whether you on Bearcat Journal or whatever, it was Sean Lewis from Kent State and Mo Linguist from Buffalo. Whether you take either one of those guys, you're going to have a massive hit going to the Big 12. You're going to struggle for probably years. So I think Scott Satterfield definitely puts you in a position where you can have success quicker. Um, now, how success you know is measured in that transition period is going to be something you know we're, we're going to probably talk about um, in the coming months. Um, and I don't I don't really know how we're going to measure it. You know, is is it a win total? Is it seven wins? Is it eight wins? Is it just being competitive against some of these teams? I don't know. Uh, I, th- I think a lot of fans are going to be pissed that, you know, it, it, it's not just Scott Satterfield. You know, it was whoever we were going to bring in, we were going to struggle in the Big 12. And that was going to piss people off no matter what. Um, so my initial reaction when this was announced, I think it was really early Monday morning. Um, I woke up, saw that news. I was pissed. I think the first text I sent out that morning when someone asked me how I felt, I said I'm disgusted because of the UK factor. I didn't follow Louisville per se, but I knew the guy was underachieving because I talked to a decent amount of their fans. Um, like you said, he is a good recruiter. His his class for the 2023 class is his best. I think they're 21 nationally on rivals. So he is a good recruiter. Like you said, he is takes NIL very seriously. He's embraced it, whereas other coaches have just constantly been complaining about it. They're they're trying to figure out how they want to attack it. Satterfield's been the guy that has jumped kind of ahead of the curve and really attacked it head on um, and is seeing good results. I think that's a big reason they were number 21 nationally for this upcoming class. But the product on the field is – not been good. I mean, they played in an ACC that is pretty weak. They have a losing conference record while he's there. And I think he's 25 and 24 overall with uh, four losses to UK. And so the thing was, I just felt like we were scrambling at the end. You mentioned that you read the message boards, you were following it, and there was no real action through the weekend. And I know Cunningham wanted to you know, have his coach by the end of the week and announce it. I feel like we were scrambling through this whole process. Now, I think you can say the coaching prospects out there weren't the best this year. Um, obviously, Deion Sanders being the number one guy, when he goes to Colorado, I think it was like Thursday or Friday that he was announced he was going um, to the Buffaloes. I think it really were like, oh, shit, you know, we're in trouble because – Goshen or Golish, the guy from Tennessee, that was the guy I wanted. If we weren't going to give it to Dion, right after that he goes to USF. It's like we're screwed. Like who else are we going to pull? It's going to be one of these Mac guys, and that just is not going to move the needle. Um, I did not see this coming at all. I did not see UC going in there and and snagging Satterfield from the Cardinals. But from the Cardinals' perspective. None of the fans wanted him there from day one. When they were making, they fired Petrino um, in 2018, like nine or ten games in the year. They wanted Brom. 
I mean, the guy grew up in Louisville. I think he went to X down there. He played there. He had coached there and, you know, for five or six years. He was, you know, an obvious choice when he turned the job down to stay at Purdue. Fans were pissed. And Satterfield, who at the time was a great up-and-coming, hot, you know, guy. He's leading that state to all the success, just getting into Division One. Um I think the fans never really gave him a chance to succeed. It was a really weird relationship. So I think that may have played a part in it. But, you know, to Louisville's defense, he was not, you know, in four years, they were not really moving forward at the pace I think the the Cardinals wanted him to. I know he met with the week prior with the Louisville AD to kind of go over everything. I don't think he was on the hot seat. I think at the beginning of the year, they started slow and fans thought, you know, if they don't pick it up, he will be fired at the end of the year. They made enough progress towards the end of the season. They were actually ranked coming into the Kentucky game um, where his job was not in jeopardy. But going into the next year, it's another one of those situations where they had a slow start that kind of, you know, midseason, they probably would look at firing him. Um, I think Satterfield saw that coming and dodged a bullet really um now he had this great recruiting class coming in so whether that would have you know made a difference on wins and losses i don't know but no i I think it's all very interesting i think it's a move by john cunningham that is very head scratching and a lot of people are pissed and i think a lot of people are pissed because they view it as you know, UC just got a coach that was probably on his way out from a school that's pretty similar on the scale, I would say. Would you consider U of L and UC on the same kind of level? Um, I think in like, like if if you're looking at like you know program history and whatnot, I would. I, I don't know. That's tough. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I think I it's think, a fair question. I, I mean, mean, I think Louisville post. Big East and post AAC. I mean, their highlight is, you know, Lamar Jackson and, you know, him winning the Heisman and everything like that. I think they, they but, won a BCS game against yeah. Florida. Yeah. And I think the transition's just kind of been a little, it, it's been tough for them. I think they just have a lot of stuff going on too within yeah. the athletic department. With well, it's a disaster. Yeah. yeah. So, and, you know, I think the one thing too that makes the whole entire situation incredibly you know complex is like we've mentioned is it it's the expectation of the fans you know the fans think because we made it to the playoff that this job is now a top 10 job or it is revered nationally when in reality i think this search kind of showed it's still not at least not to the level that i think we want it to be that we think it is yeah, as fans, sure. at least yeah. some fans. Um, like if you read a message board throughout the process, I, like it became, it got to a point where I was like, I'm just not going to look because like having to scroll through all these fans and some of the comments and, and just how they feel about the situation. It's like, you're not going to get a guy from a, you know, you're not just going to poach a coach from a legit program because, oh, yeah, I want to be – like, that's just not how it works. 
Right. And it's it's not it's not normal for a coach to jump from a power five school to another power five school. Last year was unique with Brian Kelly and, and Lincoln Riley, but you know, there's also like the the Mac coaches that were involved, you know, of the of the bunch. Like I if Sean Lewis was the guy that ended up getting the job, I would have been like, okay, like I see it. You know, his offense at Kent State has been fairly good numbers wise and that's a school that doesn't have a lot of resources for their football program and he kind of turned it around the record won't show it but you know when your school is trying to get every bit of money that it can you're obviously going to go and play you know the likes of georgia ohio state whatever and get boat raced but they gave georgia a fight this year and so like you kind of got to look at everything and i i, I mean i didn't want any part of my linguist i'll be 100 percent honest but yeah like if if it ended up being Sean Lewis, I'd been like, okay, like I see it, and there should be some sort of validation for him in regards to the coaching search, considering what move he's about to make. Yeah, I mean he's leaving Kent State, he's becoming an OC, but he's falling D onto Colorado. Right. So clearly he is, you know, looked at in some higher. I mean, D, I don't know, I don't know how it all unfolded, but you know. A coach that everybody wanted, and let's be real, the the likelihood of Dion coming to Cincinnati was probably small from the jump, very small. Um, he goes. Well, what, co- he why goes do you gets, think that was? Why do you think that was the case? Dion to Cincinnati, not being. Reasonable. I mean, I think you got to look at the, you know, the the president and the. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like sure. there's, you know, not not necessarily political views, but just the way that they view, you know, what a head coach needs to be, you know, character-wise and whatnot. Like, I mean, I'm not saying Dion's a bad character or anything like that, but, like, Dion's unique. Dion's a personality. Like, I mean, if you're a Barstool fan, you know that from, you know, the documentaries while he was at Jackson State, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, he's a, he is a, you know, character. He's a personality. And, like, it makes sense, like, why they, if they didn't even bother, like, I, I, understand why it happened because i think you have to look at the the president and the ad and how they feel about the situation you know if you were someone who's like oh urban should come you know we should go reach out to urban it's like well if we're probably realistically not looking at dion we're probably not realistically realistically yeah right a guy like urban meyer or tom herman or whatever it is Mm -hmm. so i mean it's just all it's weird because everybody, nobody expected it. And let's be honest too. Like, I'll be frank. When they hired Luke Fickle back in 2016, I wasn't a fan of that hire. Right. Yeah. Um, that's not who I wanted. Didn't really move the needle and, and, that much. Yeah, and there were fans who loved the Tuberville hire. Look at how that turned out. So it's right. like, it's just one of those things, you know. And I think. Cunningham was under pressure because there are people who think there are people who are indifferent about Wes Miller, the head coach for the basketball team. While, you know, I like to give some coaches the benefit of the doubt, like people think Wes is failing or Wes isn't the guy. And it's like, I don't know how you can judge a guy inheriting what Brandon let. Like, it's just, yeah, no, it's one of those things where time will tell. And it's like that for most coaching um, hires. Now, if you're at the elite of the elite, 
programs, like for instance, if Brian Kelly sucked at LSU for a year and a half, two years, he'd probably be on the hot seat. He'd probably be, you know, fans would want him on his, you know, on his way out. UC is going to be different, especially making this jump, you know, not only where we are kind of on the scale of things, but, you know, making this big 12 jump, I think there is a sense of adjustment that means we're not going to be competing for the big 12 title right out of the gate. No, I I think it'd be ridiculous to fully expect, all right, next year, like, yeah, they're going to, for sure. Like, they're going to be like, no, that's not, like, yes, has, when UC has played people above, you know, their level, you know, you go back to Georgia in the Peach Bowl, you go back to Alabama in the playoff, you look at Arkansas this year, yeah, they were in those games. I mean, they should have won the Georgia game. They probably should have won the Arkansas game. Yeah. And it, I think my biggest thing when they go to the Big 12 is just look like you belong. Sure. Like yeah, kind of throw the record stuff like out the window, whatever. But if you on a consistent basis, week in and week out, look like you belong, then you're going to be – then I, as a, for me personally, I'll be fine. Like I yeah. think – Am I going to go into the season expecting them to win 10, 11 games? No. What I do, I I think my base on be like, all right, let's, let's just be bowl eligible. Like, let's go to a bowl game. Like, I think that's where you got to have this give and take. Like, I'm not going to, like, I feel like eight to nine wins would be awesome. And I, I yeah. wouldn't consider it overachieving because I do think the talent on the roster is good enough to be there. But it's just, you're going you're going up against big time opponents every single week. Week, right. You're not all right, I got Houston or I got, you know, UCF circled on the calendar in November. I have, you know, five games before that that I'm just stacking up wins. Like that's just right. you can't you can't do that. And it's that's not gonna be the case. So right. I think you just gotta be patient. And I think I think it's a fresh start for Satterfield and Louisville. I, like I think I that agree. whole I think that whole situation. Louisville probably didn't win it from the start. Satterfield probably felt that he you know he didn't handle some of the coaching rumor stuff probably the best. So yeah. I think that separation I think is is probably going to be beneficial for both people. Both absolutely. Both I agree. Especially because it it probably feels like. I mean, if you, it comes down to if Brom wants to go to Louisville, but like if if Louisville if they finally get Brom, they're gonna be like, all right, cool. Like I'll be yeah. happy. I think if you so. look at it from the point of transition for <clears throat> UC, most importantly, Satterfield and then Louisville, it works out for all three because for UC you're going to get the guy that is going to be able to creep the fastest at the highest level right away to get the talent to compete in the big 12 every year for Satterfield. You're getting a fresh start with a program that while we're not exactly open arms right now, I think more than likely once we get closer to the season after Satterfield brings in a couple of his recruits, fans will be like, all right, let's go. Let's, yeah. let's run this. And yeah. then for Louisville, you get, maybe they're going to go after, I think they're already going after Brom 
if they end up getting Brom or even a fresh start with another coach, that kind of cleans the air with their fan base. So I think in, you know, I don't really care about Louisville. I hope they suck for the next 50 years. But, you know, from their perspective, I, I think this was a great move for them. And I think it's going to benefit UC. Now it's just kind of tough to swallow immediately. And it's just so bizarre. It's kind of hard to wrap your head around. I, I mean, think that's kind of what yeah. I'm going through right now. I mean, it's still bizarre to see, you know, pictures of Luke Fickle with Wisconsin stuff on. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think fans felt like, you know, he was probably going to leave at some point. I think most fans agreed. Well, yeah, I think they would be like, yeah, you're probably right. That's just not where we thought it was going to be. Right. It was either you know, Ohio State, Notre Dame, maybe Penn State, whatever. But like. Wisconsin was just so out of left field. Mm-hmm. Satterfield, out of left field. So it's just right. like, I think there's, I think it's a lot of it is just like adjusting to this new, you know, the new look, because it is different. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's just how it is. And, you know, it's just one of those things where, as a fan, like, you have to, you have to support the program. Right. Like, you may not like that the hire, but fans, whether you're donating whatever it is to you know their NIL stuff, whatever, like you have to be there and support. Like I know it's it's a it's it's probably not white left, but like you know students leaving at halftime of the games, the crowd being half full sometimes, booing of the quarterback that you have every single week defended. And if that's your if if your head coach is saying it, you should probably support it. Right. You probably shouldn't be booing the quarterback because you want the other guy. Like that probably rubs people the wrong way. Like, are people gonna boo Satterfield after two games? Like, I think just the expectations for the fans needs to kind of come back down to earth a little bit. Don't get me wrong. That season two years ago was special it was phenomenal i'm thankful that i was able to experience it as a fan and be at most of those home games like to be able to see uc on you know the playoff graphics all that stuff Mm -hmm. like that is a once in a lifetime thing for that program they've never experienced that sort of success ever you can't let that one season dictate realistic expectations for the program right like until that yeah. pro- until the program consistently is at that level you cannot hold the coach the players all that to ungodly expectations granted yes do you want to go 12 and own win a title every year for sure but let's be honest you see not doing that last last year they weren't doing it this year they're probably not going to do it next year and maybe in the year after that, and you could honestly keep going down the line, but like it's until the program, like the one thing Luke said, like I to be a top ten program, you have to be consistently in that area. Like you have to be a top ten program year in and year out. Which that mindset is fantastic and it's great. That takes time. Like yeah. UC is not a top ten program. UC is not a top fifteen program. Probably not even a top twenty program. Like you got to look at it from a whole the big picture yeah are they creeping up in you know the 20 yeah but like 
it's it's just tough to there's a reason why it's tough to sustain that sustain that level of success yeah like it's just i so i think when you look at it from the big picture uc is fully committed to scott satterfield you saw it with the contract what was it six years 3.5 million but the big thing yeah i'll let you say because you were gonna say it yeah the coaching pool is seven million dollars and it's it's seven point um, two five yeah seven point five or seven point two five and the most yeah. we had was like five point three five right so it's it's over two million dollar increase they are fully buying into Satterfield um I think it's a huge it's a risk but I think for where you see was at who was available last week going into the weekend I think. And, you know, you would have talked to me yesterday morning. I would have punched myself in the face. But I think UC did probably the best thing for them that they could possibly do and let's, and, um, come Sunday night. Yeah, and let's be real, too. They poached a coach from a Power 5 program. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. a rival. Like, yeah. So whether, okay, you can have your questions about the coach, but – Cunningham ponied up, gave him money, bumped the assistant pool, like all of that. Like we as fans should want him to be successful and uh, want him to be here all six years or even more than that. And to be quite honest with you, too, like if he's successful and he leaves after four years, great. That means we were good. Right. Sure. Very good. That, I think that's the other thing about this whole thing is is fans unrealistic expectations of. All right, Fick, we're going to the Big 12. Fickle's going to stay here forever. Now, did I think Fickle was going to go through and see them transition into the Big 12, play in the Big 12 for a couple of years? Absolutely. But yeah, I felt like, I felt like at least was, a year. Yeah. Like, I felt right. like yeah. he would probably play it out for a year and see how he felt. Right. Because, but like, it, it's, an, yeah, it's an adjustment. Yeah. But and, then you look at, from his point of view, he's leaving when his <laughs> – you know, he's pretty much the highest of his value has ever been. Um, I mean, I guess you could say last year, you know, going into last year. But then again, he was committed to playing in that playoff game. So it wasn't even on the table for him to take another job. I think he kind of saw himself as like, all right, I got this program to where it is. I'm, they're going to the Big 12. Um I did my part here, and I'm fine with that. I've completely accepted that, and good for Fickle. I hope he kicks ass Wisconsin. I really do. But um, I don't know. I think that people's expectations for, you know, all right, our next coach here should should be the next coach for a decade. That's unrealistic because look at UC's history. That has never been the case. Now, granted, and, and, now we're in a, a Power 5 per, um, conference, and all that is great. But I still think if you go in with that expectation, you're just going to be disappointed because this is a cutthroat business, and it's happened to UC before. Look at Kelly, the way he left. Look at you know Tuberville, the way he left at Tech to come to UC. That was cutthroat. The way yeah. Satterfield just did the you know it, it's a business. And, so and the more and the more money that is involved because it's only growing every single year with the team right. and everything, like it's going to probably keep happening. But right, it. it the nice thing is, is that now that you are in a, you know, power five conference with the expanded playoff, like that helps. Mm-hmm. Like you're now the 14 playoff goes to a 12 team playoff. 
You don't need to be in top four. You don't need to go undefeated. You can probably lose two games. May, hell, maybe even three, depending on how your schedule unfolds. And I think that is, for those fans that do have those lofty expectations, I think it can change gradually over time, but it's not going to happen right away. Like, I think right. 10 years from now, first off, the landscape of college sports is probably going to be different because it changes every year. But right. then I think in 10 years, depending on how Satterfield does, depending on how the program does, depending on the money, whatever it is, I think then it's like, okay, maybe I can start to be like, all right, I at least expect my coach to be here, you know, maybe six years, maybe eight, whatever it is. But like up until this point, we should have honestly been of the belief that I'm probably going to have a coach for three, four years, depending on the cycle. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing. Like you said, that means we are winning at a high level. So, which is all, which is all you can ask for. Like that's right. We're, I mean, we're not the dominant program in the state. Um, there's always there's bigger fish out there than you see. Like, mm-hmm. it's just how it is. Yeah. No. Like, and I think this coaching process definitely, you know confirms you know kind of a return to reality if you're a smart uc fan that's kind of how you how you think it there's obviously always going to be people out there that are are yelling at the clouds um you know blaming everyone but when you look at a big picture in reality uc is where it is now in five years after being in the big 12 can we change that narrative absolutely but right now today December 6th, this is where we're at. And the sooner you accept that, I think the better you'll feel about this whole situation uh, moving forward. Absolutely. And I think the other thing, too, that I think if there is like if there was one thing that I was excited about, it's the switch from a defensive minded head coach to an offensive minded head coach, given the landscape of how the sport is, you know, it's offense, 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 you're going to a conference that has valued offense in horrible defense because that's what that's the Big 12's kind of claim to fame outside of Texas and Oklahoma is, all right, we got shootouts in Lubbock, in, you know, in uh, Morgantown, all over the place. Yeah. Like, so when you bring in a guy, it, it's a breath of fresh air for our program, too, because let's be honest, like, I think – even with the success that this team had when they went to the playoff the year before, like I was at times underwhelmed with the offense with Mike Denbrock and his system, you know, Gino in his first year or two, you don't know all the, you know, circumstances around it, but there were points this year where, you know, I felt like Gino's play calling was, you know, stale and static. It was ass. Yeah. Yeah. Like you get a, like a, you, you rely too much on the big play. Mm-hmm. You have all these weapons. If I think fans felt like they weren't using them correctly, the quarterback ends up getting the blame for that for a mag of a bunch of reasons. I don't know how much you can do about receivers dropping balls sometimes, but it's just like I think the whole thing, like you need to take it, take a step back and look at it. It's like this is gonna be interesting. It's gonna be fun. Like you are going into a new conference. You're going to have a couple big-time programs coming to Nipper. Like, 
it's going to be fun. Like it's, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, like, absolutely. And I think that, that, you know, just the sheer fact we're finally having that will get us through the first year, even if we kind of suck, like just playing Texas, Oklahoma, um, you know, TCU, they, they're going to the playoff. Like those types of teams coming to Nippert, that's awesome. So yeah. even if we're not as good and we're not winning nine or ten games, I still think that that's going to be a lot of fun and people just need to be excited for that and not so hum, ho-hum about the, the whole thing. I think, you know, closing, uh, you know, I'll let you you speak. and I'll go real quick just to kind of the closing uh, thoughts on this. UC already has announced that Pete Thomas and Brian Brown are coming over from Louisville. Uh, Pete Thomas was the guy that recruited the highest rated player in Louisville's upcoming class. He's the number one dual threat quarterback out of California. And I think they have three total players that come from uh, John Bosco out there in Cali. That's the main guy that was recruiting him. So I think if Satterfield can come in and bring some of those players in, I think that would be awesome to kind of, relax UC fans and I don't want to say it's a must that he does that but I think it's very important to kind of get this sour awkward taste out of our minds uh or mouths and minds yeah um, so stay looking out for that um and what other coaches he going to bring in he has a ton of money to work with uh I think he, he brought in I know the defensive coordinator is coming um and yeah they, that's prime yeah wow their defense some of the numbers don't look great. They are in the top five in takeaways. To, and there was a, yeah. So, like, yeah. you know, it's going to be different. Like, it's yeah. just what it is. I personally, I think there's also pros to a new staff coming in because Mike Trussell and me made me want to put my head through a wall sometimes. And, <laughs> like, so it's going to be different. And, you know, I think you've kind of seen it so far, too. There's a bunch of players that are currently on the roster that have already said that they're going to stay. Um, Hunt God Mason Fletcher's staying. Yep. Corleone's staying. Uh, I think Corey Kiner's staying as well. He posted something on Instagram saying, I'm probably going to be here. Coach is doing something special. And you mentioned the quarterback that he has at Louisville that he recruited. The other one, too, is um, Dogish, the recruit that Luke and Gino had coming in this year. He's another solid quarterback. So like they have options. I mean, obviously you you're kind of waiting to seeing yeah how it Evan how it yeah. unfolds, especially with Evan Prater. Like I think Evan Prater might he could possibly flourish under this offensive system, even though a RPO, you know, quick, you know, where yeah. you really do dive into all that. Like I, it's going to be. Like, Satterfield's offenses have put up solid numbers, and there are certain categories and, I mean, statistical categories that I, you know, like I, he was top 15 in yards per play, I think, every year except this year. And this year was because, like, Malik Cunningham was kind of in and out, you know, battling yeah. injuries. They still had multiple 1,000-yard receivers. Running backs, same thing. So it's like, it's not all bad. Like, I think you yeah. just got to – look at it from a big picture so i think like you said you know closing thoughts it's weird it's still weird just because like the whole fickle thing is still fresh honestly fresh yeah this is not the person that i think most fans 
probably all fans expected to be the new head coach. Um, but, you know, he's the guy now. So let's go. Like yep. that is, that's, that's, you got to back it. Like, yeah. I'm not one to criticize coaches. The last time I criticized the head coach and said he should be fired, the following year he took a team to a Super Bowl. So, uh, <laughs> like, let's be, let's be honest here. Like, I'm not going to be sitting here and be like, all right, well, damn. Hey, Satterfield said in his press conference that he was excited to coach in a town that had a professional sports team to talk to that coaching staff. So I think that's going to be kind of really interesting to see Zach Taylor being a UC guy in the past. What what's that relationship gonna gonna bring? I don't know. Something else to look forward to. So it'll uh, be interesting, and I'm sure we will talk about it more in the near future. We've made empty promises. Uh, yeah, yeah. The last time we said we were not even going to remotely set a date on the next time we recorded, and look at what happens. It's seven months we, later. Here yeah. we are. And yeah. we're without Tito. Yeah. So I would hey. imagine, though, we will probably – we talked to off-air. We would like to do another one discussing maybe the hottest team in football. Best maybe. team in football? Best maybe, quarterback maybe. ever? They said last year was a fluke. Yeah, how about that? Joe Burrow said, "Watch this." Yeah, I or, think yeah. No, like I, like we talked about off air. Uh, it was great to you know jump on, uh, talk to you again. Uh, obviously, this is kind of an emergency pod just because it's so much shit going on with UC. But yeah, I definitely want to continue this discussion and and focus more on the Bengal conversation. It's much more. I think it's much more fun. exciting and fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean we like. Let's be real. This this. Like I said earlier, this is kind of the whole UC thing is kind of a fallback to reality. But I think we're both kind of on the side of optimism where, all right, we got our guy. We're kind of skeptical was, you know, why is he the one? But whatever, he's here. Let's go. And so, it's fair to and it's fair to feel that way too. Yeah, like, absolutely. I, we're not the only two people that have our reservations about the guy, but at the end of the day, you gotta be behind him. Because sure. at the end of the day, that means your program is going to be successful. So if Absolutely. you're supporting him and he does well, that means we're doing well. And Absolutely. the football team's winning. So, you know, it's just one of those things. And it probably won't feel – I mean, it won't feel real probably up until kickoff in late August, early September next year. I mean, yeah. next season. So, Right. We're going to have to get used to seeing a visor. That's going to be different. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how I feel about it. I can see like, myself by next year rocking like a sidewards visor though with UC on it. I think that sure he's going to bring the visor. He's going to bring the visor back. It's going to be stylish again. But the biggest thing that we cannot gloss over, um, and we'll end it with this, is we're bringing home the keg. We are bringing home. We are bringing home that keg that is definitely filled with a bunch of nails. Yep. It is a rivalry that should never have been canceled. Screw all the TV networks and realignment for ruining this. It is the best rivalry in sports. At least it has the best trophy in collegiate yeah. sports. Miss me with all that Paul Bunyan crap. Miss me with the game. Who cares? You mean to tell me after four quarters, a team gets to hoist just this giant keg? It's electric. 
Yeah. It's honestly, I'm more excited to watch that game than any playoff game, any other bowl game, because I know whether or not if the I hope the keg's there. I hope they get to bring home they two trophies. They gotta find it first. <laughs> they, they, they gotta they, find. It. They need to bring home two trophies. They need to. And the one that we all care about is not the whatever the bowl game's called being played at Fenway Park. The Fenway Bowl. <laughs> this is the keg of nails bowl. Yeah. That's what this is in a baseball stadium. So Bostonians are used to having kegs full of tea. Well, now you get nails. So I hope they're ready for that. And uh, yeah, and the teams are sharing a sideline. So things might get a little hairy. I'm all for it. <laughs> Just give me some action. Awkward. Just a smidge awkward with all the, you know, events that have transpired in the last two days. So, yeah, yeah, I'm it'll sure, be really, really interesting. Yeah, I'm sure fans will put on a great showing there. Um, definitely, like, no fights or – well, no, yeah. Louisville fans will probably be pumped. UC fans will probably be like, eh. Yeah. Kerry Combs will be losing his – Yeah, I'm curious Combs, to see the yeah. fans turn out at this game. I think a lot of people uh, are – that's going to be kind of an interesting uh, – I do th- like I. I do think we have to stop after this. We can't. I know, this is I know. We have to, but I do think like the whole like playing a bowl game in a baseball stadium is kind of cool, especially when you're playing a historic one, like the pinstripe one in New York. That one's garbage. Just this new modern state. Miss me with that. Like history. if you're yeah, if you're playing a game in like you know Wrigley or you know Fenway or. Maybe somewhere, maybe in um, Oracle Park. Out, give give me like the scenic baseball views. Like it's gonna be funny just seeing like just the the green monster in the background where it's just green. It's gonna look so it's, weird. <laughs> it's gonna be riddled with TV sponsors through oh. broadcast, like through green screen. It's gonna oh, be yeah. covered. Yeah, it's gonna be bizarre, but I'm all here for it. I'm excited. And Jake, it was great to hop on here. Uh, we appreciate everyone listening. Let us know what you think about the Satterfield hire and what you think moving forward with the EC program. I am Donovan Hester, Jacob Geyser. Uh, it's great talking to you guys. Hope you'll uh, listen and leave us some feedback. We'll talk to you guys we'll, soon. We'll see you in the near future or just the future or late future. But you get the point. See you guys. Uh-huh.